Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, listen, guys, you are so welcome. We are so thrilled that you're here. Um, we want to, we want to be a blessing to you. We want to inspire you. Um, me, me, and Becca, we are figuring this stuff out as we go along. We've been thinking about it, so we might just be a, a tiny step ahead of you. We, we are. Um, I've been doing this stuff for 15 years. So it's just experience, I guess, and, and we'd love to share our heart with you, give you some tips, because we want to see a generation that rises up that aren't afraid to lead, that understand who they are. They know their identity. And not everyone's going to become a, a church leader, but I want to see our kids leading in their playgrounds. I want to see our, our kids be the ones who understand and know what to do when a situation arises in school that everybody else is running away from. I, I don't want us to have to go on the defensive all the time because I don't think that's the way of Jesus. I want our kids to understand, no, you, you carry the precious presence of Jesus. Or Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 3 says, um, God, you, you surround us with yourself. And I want our kids that we represent to be the ones that burn brightly for him and show kindness and love to those around him. Becca, do you want to come up and intro? Know, we've, got, we've, got a, <laughs> we've got a microphone each. Hey, um, I'm so excited about this seminar because Dave and I have been talking about it a little bit and we um, just, I love it when Dave starts talking because you just get inspired as soon as he opens his mouth because he is so passionate about kids. And just hearing some of the stories about what he's been seeing and what we've been seeing here at Trent as we give kids opportunities to kind of step out of their comfort zone and us step out of our comfort zone in allowing children to lead. Um, because let's face it, sometimes we're a little bit of control freaks. I, I know that I definitely am. Um, so it's been so exciting to just give them opportunities and see what they can do and stand back and watch their personalities and their characters and their God-given talents just come alive so um it's going to be a discussion we're going to throw some stuff out hopefully some of it's going to be inspiring and some of it's going to be really practical and if you want to shout out your own stories please do and if you need to shout out questions or need clarification on some of the things then um then do that as well but we're just going to start with a little bit of a silly video that will explain afterwards of why we've shown it so um if we can do that that'd be great Okay, so that might a little be um, a little bit of self-indulgence there. That was um, the film that we created for our family service this Christmas. Um, and it's a bit of a tenuous link, but we, um, were, we were so encouraged when um, we were chatting it through and thinking, what, what can we do to really um, engage the kids this, this time? And we make a lot of videos and we always use adults. Um, and Luke is um, in our threes um, and is such a big character and is gorgeous um, and has such amazing potential to be a future leader. And so when we involved him, um, when we showed it on the Sunday morning on the big screen in church, he was sat there telling everyone, this is my church, that's me up there, and totally got the story of the lost sheep and was going into preschool and telling everyone that it was in a video and it was about a lost sheep and that God found him and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and it just made him 
own something. He was part of something bigger that what he wasn't just coming into church and, and not feeling a part of it because he was part of it. He was up on that big screen and, um, and it just planted something in Luke. Um, and actually, since then, you know, he's still telling everyone that this is his church and that, you know, I mean, he thinks he owns the place, but um, which he does. But uh, yeah, so it was just a little bit of a silly introduction about how how kids can develop when we give them the opportunity just to step out a little bit of their comfort zone. Yeah, to, to belong. And when you belong, you have that sense of ownership. And so that's going to change his life from three years old. Now, uh, quick, quick survey in the room. Can you be honest with me? How many of you are here, your hearts are full, and you are encouraged? Give me a wave. Okay, praise the Lord. Okay, that's okay. Uh, that's good. Uh, how many of you are seeing and hearing stories of what the Lord is doing week in and week out? Okay, so, some of us, one or two, right, okay. Uh, how many of us are full of ideas and inspiration for the next fortnight, next couple of weeks, next month? Okay, yeah, the, oh, praise the Lord. See that hand? I see that hand. <laughs> Come to the front, your coaches will wait. Uh, who has an overflowing list of people who want to serve <laughs> in kids' ministry? Right, okay. Let's go, let's go towards the, uh, the other end. All right. Uh, who longs to see God move more? Who longs to hear stories but haven't for a while? Who feels pretty dry? And who dreads the thought of the coming weeks? I haven't got anything. What can I give? Who feels like they carry too much because of the lack of others stepping up? Okay. Yeah. I'm not, no pressure. Okay. Um, no, no, it is. And, uh, okay. In all honesty, with the exception of the list uh, of people looking to sign up, I've experienced every single one of those emotions over the last 15 years. Every single one. But I am excited. I'm excited not because I've yet to find a church that doesn't have people who serve their kids who feel like the other end of the scale. I am excited because we, we are the ones responsible. No, let me say that. Parents are responsible, okay? Let's just make that. We are the ones who get to input and impact the lives of young people who in 20 years' time, and I know, hold on, I know the kids are church of today, okay? Don't throw stones at me yet. I know in 20 years' time, we have the potential to see the world transformed because the kids who are with us now are going to be the political leaders of 20 years' time. The kids who are with us now are going to be the teachers of 20 years' time. The kids who are with us now are going to be the ones who are creating and innovating and having incredible ideas and, and creating new ways of doing things. The kids who are with us now in 20 years' time are going to be the husbands and the wives. They're going to be the mothers and the fathers. And I don't know about you, I'm looking around. Most of you will remember the millennium. It doesn't feel like 20 years ago. 20 years isn't a long time. I, I have this dream. I have this dream that from now... When our kids who are th from three, four, five, six, seven, whatever it is, that we begin to equip them and release them to lead, to know that they, what they carry is significant and can change other people's lives. Oh, praise the Lord. Right. The trouble is, though, um, 
there is a lack or reluctance of leadership in our churches right now. There isn't, there isn't the absence of leadership. When you look around your church, when you look around your, um, the people in your sphere of influence, you will see incredible giftings. The trouble is there is so much reluctance for people to step up. People don't want to step up because they're afraid of failing. They've done it before, and it didn't work out. Adults, they're afraid of standing out. Adults, we're, we have this fear of, I can't do that because I don't know enough. I could never lead because look at me. What do I know? We have a fear of being hurt. We have a fear of being used. So what happens is this incredible leadership gifting that we have in our churches goes unused. And the, the, the unfulfilled kingdom potential in our churches among adults is huge. I don't want that to be the case in 2040 because I want our kids' rooms to be full of leadership potential right now. We're all aware of the, all leaders have to be aware of the future, but us in particular, we literally live with one foot in the future all the time. And what, what happens to them now, what they learn now, the experience of that three-year-old will stay with them for the next 60, 70, 80, possibly even more, depending on how science goes, right? It will live with them for the rest of their lives. How many of us who are 40-plus, when we were growing up, were told we couldn't do it? We're told negative things. And we have had to battle through those things over the years to step up to the leaders that we are now. Well, what if... What if this generation didn't have that? What if it was reversed? What if they had it called out of them? What if we now chose to call the gold out of them? What if we helped them understand that what they carry is hugely significant? Yeah, like I said before, I am hugely excited about this um, topic, not because I have all the answers or I get to see this um, kids leading every day because I don't, but it's because I really want to see it and I've got a passion and I've got a drive to, to do whatever it takes to give these kids the opportunity and see what God brings out of them. And I've watched how um, kids have a unique ability um, of reaching out to someone and of sharing their personal faith and how they can bring joy and happiness into a situation where none of us probably could. They've just got such an ability to reach us, don't they? Just um, You walk past a child in a pram, and I don't know if it's just me. I'm hoping it's not just me, but I'm just drawn to them. And so when they do something, I... I'm just in awe, and I'm in awe that God uses them in such amazing way. There's something special about the way God uses the kids to further his kingdom. Um, and I want to explore today and over the next few months of how we can f- facilitate and partner with them to see them stepping into their potential. Um, and kids leading and feeling part of the church can take on many, many different forms. 
And it's not just how they act at church, but it's how they act at home, at school, how they interact with people out on the street, how they share their faith with others. Um, And that'll tell us so much about their character and their giftings. And as kids leaders, we have to be constantly on the lookout um, for development and teaching opportunities and be ready to grab them when they come along and be ready to put other things aside in order to to call this gold out of them. Um, And the fact that you're here now probably means that you're a leader. It is a National Leaders Conference, so I'm hoping that you're a leader. Um, But when we look around the room and have a quick look, we're not all alike. We all have different giftings and abilities. We've all been called into different parts of ministry and leadership. So how... Do we encourage the next generation to become gifted leaders? And what happens when they actually do step into the calling on their life? And the fact is, leadership isn't just for those who are outgoing and charismatic. It's so easy, isn't it, to sometimes think, and John, bless him, um, he didn't know what we were chatting about today, but um, he spoke last night about leadership and how um, there's different forms of leadership. And it just feels like he's kind of paved the way for us. But... um, It isn't just for certain types of people of certain ages and certain backgrounds and certain personalities. Leadership takes on so many different forms and we need to be aware of that as well when we're in the groups with the kids and not just go for those outgoing, loudest, gets the attention kind of kids because sometimes it's the quietest child in the room who's at the back talking to someone else because they've seen that they need someone to come alongside them and it's that child who's come alongside them. So do be on the lookout for all different kinds of leaders. Um, A leader is someone who has heard a call from God and who, who is obeying it, that calling, and who is stepping out. And for our kids, this is so important. They are constantly faced with differing views and opinions and ways of living, and they are called to stand firm so much more probably than we are. These kids are in school being challenged on a daily basis. And when they stand up to their peers, it's, it's so encouraging because it means that we can as well. Um, leaders are not made by their title or position, but by, they, by their actions and by their heart. Um, a leader leads and influences others by the way they live and love. And we all get that great honor of being part um, of raising, to help raise a future leader and stepping back sometimes and just watching what happens when we release them. Brilliant. So a couple of stories. Uh, a number of years ago, <laughs> we, we had a, a meeting and my senior pastor was leading the meeting. And he started it by talking about how we need to lower our, um, not expectation, but our age of when we expect leaders to come through. And he he said, I feel like we need to drop it to around 10 or 11. And I was thinking, well, this is a good start. But literally the Wednesday of that week, I'd heard a story. Uh, a mom had called me up and she told me about the story of her five-year-old. She had two kids, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And they were in the park, just playing around in the park. And the five-year-old said to the three-year-old, we should go and pick some flowers, which isn't good. So don't tell your kids to pick flowers because <laughs> they weren't there. Pick some flowers and we should go and we should tell the people around the park that Jesus loves them. So I'd heard this story, and I said, oh, hey, hold on. I know where you're going, but I think we need to drop it even lower. And the movie's a, a, a great thing for this. We, we can't even wait till they get to 10 or 11. It's like the Lord is using them at 3, 4, and 5 to lead others 
into what he wants to do and showing compassion towards others. Um, off the back of this, I started to think, okay, I, I need to be a little bit more um, intentional about raising leaders with our kids. So, so instead of doing the five-year-olds, I thought, let's, let's do a small group and we'll call it something catchy so it kind of highlights with the kids. So I thought, let's call it Leadership Academy. Because I thought, okay, now Academy has a different sort of, is Academy like a bit of a failed school here? No? <laughs> I, I, Academy's a good thing for me, right? In Northern Ireland, Academy sounds like a good thing. So I said, I said to the team, I said, let's do this thing. And uh, they're like, well, who do we invite? And I thought, that's difficult because we can't have all the kids because there'll be too many. And we want to make this feel like a, a special thing for the ones that come. So I said, I said to the team, and there was maybe four or five of them, I said, I want you to write down the top five kids in your mind that you think have leadership on them. And what we'll do is we'll put them all together and we will pick. If three of us say it, mention a child, we'll invite them to it. So that means then if somebody doesn't get invited, we can say, look, here's what we had to do. We couldn't take all of you. So, so we gave an excuse. Um, so what happened next was we, we had a list of about 12 kids. And we invited these 12 kids. And I'd written six weeks of a real loose curriculum about leadership. Honestly, it, it, there was nothing scientific or excellent about it, really. Just real, real simple stuff. And they would come, and we would have pizza together. And then we would just share about leadership, or I would share about leadership. It was incredibly inspiring for them. Not, not because of the stuff, the material that I had, but the fact that they were recognized as leaders. I, I was thinking about this um, last week as I was thinking about today. And I was thinking about those kids, those 12 kids that came. 90%, that doesn't make sense, but most of them, right? 10 out of the 12 are now 16, 17, 18, and they are leading. They're leading in youth. They're leading in their schools. They are confident young people who know who they are. Now, I, I'm not saying leaders, the Leadership Academy did all of that. But what I'm saying is it called something out of them, and it wasn't a difficult thing to do. <laughs> right. I'm on my phone. I haven't got those sort of notes, right? So bear with me a minute. I did write them out for him just to... I know, and then I changed... <laughs> And I, I just had to change it because I kept thinking of new things. Right, okay. So. <sighs> so he, here's a few pointers. I've got five, five, um, five things to help you in teaching your kids to become leaders and teaching them to embrace leadership. Pointer number one, we have to help them become emotionally intelligent. Emotional intelligence indicates how well children understand empathy and sympathy. We need to teach our kids empathy. And it's not hard to do. We share stories. When you, t when you hear a story um, like what I maybe told or like the three-year-old up here, I, when I hear those things, I share them with kids. Because sharing a story is inspirational. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says what the Lord reveals is for you and for your children. What he, what he keeps secret is for him. So what you hear is for you and your children. So <laughs> tell stories. So for example, before Christmas, I had a granny come up to me and she tells me the story about her seven-year-old um, 
called seven-year-old granddaughter called Grace. And Grace is with her dad Christmas shopping in town. And they're walking by Marks and Spencers. If, unless you've been to Coleraine, that means nothing. And this older lady comes out and she collapses on the street at the front of Marks and Spencers. Grace, because she loves Jesus and she understands empathy, goes straight over to this lady, gets down on her hands and knees, takes, like, she's only a little tiny thing too, she takes the hand of this old lady and she begins to pray for her. The granny said she just prayed for her till the ambulance came. The little old lady was so touched and moved that she wrote this big long card and thank you letter to Grace. I, I'm like, that's incredible. I wish I was like that, to be honest. I don't know if I would have stopped. But I thought, my kids need to hear that. They need to understand empathy. They need to understand how to relate to people. And so what I regularly say uh, to, to kids in, in whatever room I'm leading is, guys, would you look out for the new kids that come? You know, we're, we're a church that, that is always having holiday makers because we're, we're up on the north coast of Northern Ireland. And so we're often having children come maybe for one week and then they don't come back. Or, uh, or if it's a new, new family, they're checking out the church. It is tough when you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old to go to a completely strange room with nobody you know, with an adult who you've never met before, or at least two adults, child protection. <laughs> it's tough. So I will regularly say to the kids, kids, do you remember the first time you came? Do you remember how you felt? When you see someone that you've never met before, think about that. And let that be the, the force that drives you to go and talk to them, to go and invite them to hang out with you, to go and invite them to pray or to play with you. Help them become emotionally intelligent. Prayer times, ministry time. <laughs> Incidentally, I, I didn't know that kids could have ministry time for years and years and years. And Katie was doing it for years. And I used to think, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. But what I've realized is actually kids are brilliant at it. Um, and getting them to pray for another person helps them identify for them with them. And it's not hard. Kids can go from naught to 60 on this stuff really quickly. Adults, not just so much. Like Northern Ireland's quite a religious place. So, so most, most adults, well, a lot of adults have been to prayer meetings and all that stuff. Most adults I meet are still scared to pray out loud. Most kids I meet are the opposite. Most kids I meet wouldn't think twice about praying out loud. It's, it's a huge thing for them to pray out loud. If we can create the safe place for them to pray, then we will help them with their emotional intelligence. Teach them to pray for the sick. I, I often say our Sunday mornings are just a practice for Monday mornings or Tuesday mornings or Wednesday afternoons at school. Look out for kids, other people, old ladies on the street. And when we do it in whatever environments we're in, they just learn. It's just practice time, really. But it teaches them emotional intelligence. Team games. Play team games where they have to work together, where they're forced to think about other people. And they start to understand that preferring one another in love stuff. In a study by Forbes magazine, 
it was discovered that children who develop a high level of emotional intelligence carry these skills into adulthood and gives them a leg up in leadership and in life. If we can help our kids with emotional intelligence, we will help them become good, strong leaders. Number two, allow them to experience risk and failure. Or um, faith. There's another one. Success in kingdom life is driven by risk. When parents go overboard protecting their children, they don't allow them to take risks, and then they reap the consequences, either in childhood or certainly later on in life. When you aren't allowed to fail, you don't understand risk. It's why I find we don't have to explain to kids, well, what do you do when somebody doesn't get healed? That, that question doesn't come up with kids. They just seem to be resilient to it. When we take kids on the street, and my point number three or four is taking them out, they don't seem to have this big worry about, well, what happens? What if nothing happens? They're okay with that. Whereas actually, one of the big reasons most adults won't go out on the streets and pray for the sick is, well, what happens if nothing works, if it doesn't work? What happens if, if nothing happens and I look stupid? <sighs> Fool for Christ. Fall for Christ. The road to success is paved with failure. When we try to shield children from failure in order to boost their self-esteem, they will have trouble tolerating failure. And we need to experience failure to, failure to succeed as leaders. Don't rub their face in it either. Just come alongside them and tell them it's okay. One of my, one of my um, life... Uh, what's the word, logos or motto, motto. One of my life's motto is if I don't try hard enough or if I don't fail, I'm not trying hard enough. If I don't fail, I haven't tried hard. Can I tell you a little story from this morning? Because, <laughs> oh, um, oh, sorry. So I know I am, I know I, I am. Um, so I, 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 have been, I have been learning to pray this prayer over my life, and I've been teaching the kids, and it's a prayer from Numbers chapter 6, and it simply goes like this. Lord, would you bless me and protect me? Lord, would you cause your face to smile upon me and be gracious to me? Would you show me your favor and give me your peace? Right? And I, I've been praying that over myself every day, and I've been challenged to, to, to pray it over people as well. And actually, when you know what you're praying, it's so much easier to pray for people. And then this morning, I'm sitting in the hotel, having my breakfast, and I feel challenged to pray it over somebody I don't know. Like, out, you know, outside of church or outside of, our fa- outside of family, right? <laughs> so I'm looking at the waitresses, and they're looking really busy. And I don't want to do it with one waitress, because that would be awkward, or I'd feel awkward. I wanted to do it with two of them. And it just didn't work. So I got up from my seat, and I started to walk towards the lift. And I noticed that there was a woman at the desk and the cleaner. So I thought, oh, (laughs) here we go, here we go. Um, So I go over to them and my heart is racing. But I just know, I just know I want to be a blessing to people. I want the kids that are coming behind me to be a blessing to people. And so I say to these two ladies, I introduce myself and they tell me their names. And I say, look, could you help me with something? One of my goals in life is to be a blessing to people. And to pray a blessing over people I've never met before. <laughs> Would it be all right if I could pray for you? And they're like, okay. So then I'm about to open my mouth and I completely forget everything. <laughs> like this prayer I've been praying for the last six months goes blank. 
And so I start to feel sweat. And then, then I remember it. And I'm thinking, Dave, you are such an idiot for the Lord. But I, but I did it. And I know this prayer changed li- changes lives. And I'm, and I'm teaching these kids. On a Sunday morning, I'm like, guys, what are the six things? What are the six things that you're going to pray for people? Because also, I, I'm not into formula and stuff, but if we can help kids, it's a big help for them. If they, can, if they have something that they can go and take to people, it's a start. I guess it's a start for me. It's a start for me to introduce myself to pray for people. Makes it a bit easier for me. Maybe you guys are really good at it. Um, <sighs> okay, number three. Take them on trips. Take them out of their, uh, their safety zone, their comfort zone. They grow exponentially when you do it. One of the things that I stumbled across was like what I call a 24-hour mission trip or even a, a 24-hour mission sleepover. If, if we're not going to go anywhere, I'll just call it a mission sleepover. I am not good at sleepovers. I'm nearly 52, and I hate sleeping on floors. I just, it just doesn't work for me. You know, I'm grumpy for days afterwards. But I know that it reaps huge benefits. If, uh, if, we, if we say to kids, kids, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, we're going to go into town. Two kids will turn up. If I say, come down to the church at 5 o'clock on Friday, we're going to have a mission sleepover. And on Saturday morning, we're going to go into the town and we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to love people and we're going to do giveaways and all that stuff. I can get 20 to 30 kids coming. <laughs> and so, so I'd love to do it more. Well, I'd sort, you know, I have this battle in my head. <laughs> I, know, I know how beneficial it is for kids when they get to experience adventure, mission together. They grow hugely. Sometimes we'll, we'll take them on, uh, to another church. And I'm, we and Katie are chatting about this at the minute, and maybe next term we're going to uh, land on the, at the feet of Belfast Vineyard with a bunch of kids because it's just a train journey away. We reap huge, huge benefits. And even though it's not all the kids get to it, it's like the yeast in the dough. They come back and they tell those stories. They come back and they infect with, you know, it's corona, coronavirus, isn't it? Time. Um, you know, so we're all aware of infection and stuff. If you get a handful of kids and you take them on an adventure with Jesus, it will impact everybody. It will impact. Okay, number four, give them opportunities to teach or to share what's on their heart. This is a little bit risky. And it only came about because uh, I, I do, a, myself and my wife, Andrea, we lead a small group for uh, 9, 10, 11-year-olds on a Monday night. Monday night. And last term, at the first week, I thought, I don't really have anything for them. So I had this idea. I said to them, guys, I want you to lead this term. I want you to lead from um, welcome being on the door, coming and arriving 10 minutes early. I want some of you to do the juice and the biscuits and get the refreshments ready. I want others of you to figure out what game we're going to play. I want others of you to do the teaching and someone to lead the ministry time or the prayer time at the end. And honestly, I had no idea or expectation of what was going to happen. So kids were like, yes, I'll do the welcome, I'll do the juice, I'll do the game. And then these two lads, Micah and Daniel, Oh, I should have changed the names. It's been recorded. <laughs> Michael and Darius. 
they said, they said, we'll do the talk. Um, Both lads have challenges on the autistic spectrum. One of them has Asperger's. One of them has ADHD. Neither of them fit very well on our Sunday morning. They both will either be playing with the Lego or will be sitting at the back um, looking like they're not interested at all. They don't really engage on a, Monday, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but I thought, well, you're keen, so I can't say no. So the, mon- the next Monday came around, and I, and I thought, I need to prepare something just in case, because I didn't hold out much hope. I know you're looking at me thinking, what kind of kids leader are you? <laughs> Faithless. So I had something prepared, and then it came around for the talk, and these two lads got up. And it, it was probably the most significant moment in anything I've done in, with kids. And I think I'd literally just told them about how uh, we'd had angelic visitations years ago in this small group with kids. And then these two lads get up and they say, we're going we're gonna to read the story from Daniel chapter 3 about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. So I'm thinking, fair enough. So they read the story between them. And then they start to talk about these three boys who loved Jesus Okay, you know, theologically, they're not, you know, go with me, go with me. How these three boys loved Jesus more than anything else. And these three boys loved Jesus so much that they were prepared to get thrown into a fiery furnace and lose their lives. I am sitting there agog. And then they talk about the fourth person in the fire. And they say that no matter what you're doing, no matter what trouble you get in, Jesus is always with you. And it was a holy moment, a real holy moment. Like I, <laughs> I'm still encouraging the mom and dad and, and the kids because I just can't stop talking about it because it hugely impacted me. And it was like a wake-up call to me to say, these kids understand more than you think. These kids have more in them than I'd, I'd even imagined. In fact, do you know, do you know there's that verse? Um, it might be, I can't remember, I'm not going to go. Uh, where, where Jesus says uh, uh, that the Father chooses to, to hide these things from the, the wise and the learned, but to reveal them to little children. It was that kind of moment. Because Jesus has things to say, and he, he wants to say them, but he wants to say it through kids, like Micah and Daniel. And then we had other kids. Mason, who doesn't come on Sunday morning, he's, he's a, from a broken home. Um, he goes and stays with his dad at the weekend. He, his time, he'd prepared little prophetic cards for every one of the kids that were in small group. It was just a stunning moment, a stunning moment of the presence of Jesus and a stunning leadership moment for him. You see, I, I don't know about you, but for adults to lead a small group, it's a huge thing. There's a huge fear for most adults to stand up in a small group and share something from the Bible. But what if you grow up doing that? What's it going to look like? What does it look like now, let alone five years' time? It's exciting, isn't it? Others included, obey your mom and dad. They read, you know, they read from the Ten Commandments. And I'm thinking this is outstanding. Another one was uh, about Jonah and Noah. 
and obedience. A real wake-up call for me. Okay, finally, point number five, before I hand over. What time is it? Oh, Craig, okay, quick one, quickly. Um, lead, by, lead by example. This is so, so important. We are, we simply, our lives are like mirrors. We just reflect whatever's going on. And so I, I want to be the best mirror for reflecting Jesus as I can. So whatever we do, kids mimic, right? Often they are rubbish at listening with their ears, but they are experts at listening with their eyes. They see what we do and they copy we got to be people who lead with empathy and sympathy. If we're not noticing the adults who come into church and sit on their own, then we can't expect to lead kids in that emotional intelligence. We can't expect to lead them in empathy. We have to be leading with vulnerability, and we mustn't be afraid of failure. We must lead our lives taking risks for Jesus. And not just so we can share stories, but that's a great reason too, but not for that reason only, but because that's what followers of Jesus do. We must show them how to love others well. And we must loosen our control and let others have a chance. Because so often we just keep control and we don't let it go. And often for good reason, because we're afraid of, afraid of failure. But my challenge, my challenge to you is, what if we started to let go a little bit more? What if we started to say to some of the kids in our care and our trust, why don't you have a go? And not just throw them in the deep end, but actually get alongside them. And if they don't know what to do, give them some ideas. Chances are they will, though. And let them have a go. Everyone gets to play. Becca. I think Dave's probably just, like, taken it all there. So um, I'm just going to fill in the gaps. Um, I love a little bit of a formula. Um, I'm not very, you know... It, it, I don't mind going away from the formula, but um, I don't know if any of you have gone through kind of leadership training within the vineyard, but um, some of you might be aware of IRTDMN, maybe. So um, basically it stands for identify, recruit, train, deploy, monitor and nurture. And I don't think that this is just for adult leaders. I think that this is a great formula for kids as well. So we need to identify those, um, those kids in our groups who have got leadership potential. Then we need to come alongside them and call it out of them, tell them that they are future leaders and that you believe in them. And, and then you need to train them because it's all well and good saying, great, like, Let's, let's um, get you leading something. But if we've not trained them, then we're almost setting them up to fail. And that is not what we want to do. So we tr train them, and then we give them opportunities. We deploy them. And we start off small, and we let them grow in that. And we watch them. As they do it, we monitor them, and we see what's going on in their lives. We see where their weaknesses are, and we come alongside them in that, and we train them again, and then we let them go again, and we monitor it again, and it'll be a cycle that goes on. 
for years probably, just like we are, you've probably got people in your li lives who are doing this with you, and we nurture that leadership in them. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just as easily, that model is just as easily used for children as it is um, for adults. Um, and I just want to kind of shift our focus for a minute onto Sunday mornings because probably a lot of you lead on a Sunday morning. And as kids leaders, we can often go into a Sunday morning thinking our main role on a Sunday morning is to um, teach kids um, and give them a chance to make friends and to teach the Bible, which it's all really good things, believe me. We need to get that in. But we may come with the mentality that we are the teachers and that the kids need to learn from us. However, that's not always true. We have so much to learn from them if we just give them the opportunity. There's so many examples in the Bible of child leaders, and, um, and we've mentioned some of them, David and Daniel having dreams, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the little boy who shared his lunch, um, feeding the 5,000. The disciples didn't get that. Like, they've been following Jesus, and, and he, they didn't get it. And this little boy is just like, I've got something. Can you use this? Of course. Um, so why is it so encouraging for us to see a child stop and pray for a friend or um, see someone on the street and go and talk to them or offer up their money, their pocket money after they've heard about like the persecuted church? Why is it that the, when a child does these things, they impact us so much more than when we see an adult do it? And it's because we see God working through them with their childlike faith and we see the potential of what they could be in the future. Um, so we need to encourage our team. I don't know if you're, like, you've got teams underneath you, but um, we need to encourage them that they're like small group leaders, that they're facilitators, they're not just teachers, that they're there to help the children in their care flourish. Um, and we might help that by steering conversations and introducing topics, but it's actually then giving the kids the chance to tell the stories and come up with some of the practical applications and giving them chance to pray for each other. And when we take this step a little bit further and give a child a role or a job or a vision of what they could do that might take them out of the room for a little while um, and miss something important in the teaching. Sometimes as a leader, you can panic a little bit, can't you? You can think, that child's missed the teaching session because they've been out of the room helping with something else. And that's, again, our control thing. But we don't worry, do we, when someone's on team in the car park and they don't get to hear the first three songs of worship because we know that they're going to engage in the rest of worship and hear the teaching. Or when someone's serving refreshments and they've got to nip out just before the end of the service um, and they're not going to hear maybe the end paragraph of a service. We don't worry about them, do we? Uh, but when, when a, we give a child the op opportunity, we sometimes get a little bit panicky of thinking, oh, they're not going to hear everything that we've got to say. And I think that we've just got to let go a little bit. Because, um, yes, they need to experience God and know him. But this can happen just as easily through a serving role as through sitting through worship or teaching. And we need to teach them that coming to church isn't about always receiving. What can be more beneficial to them is to learn what it means to be a servant because that's what we're called to do. We're called to listen, but then we're also called to go out. Um, 
And I think that every curriculum and every teaching should point to this. It should, it should tell them that, yes, this is what happened to someone, and now you go and do it too. Um, so some of the practical things. How can we give our kids opportunity to lead? Um, so Dave said, you know, we know the line, everybody gets to play, and this means that kids get to play too. Um, and yes, there has to be guidance around how we do that. And at times it can get very messy. Um, and we'll get it wrong and they'll get it wrong. But we, you know, we are given those opportunities to get it wrong. And so it's not a reason not to give them the opportunity. Um, so last year, we introduced a way of replicating what they do in big church. That's what we call the main service. We don't like the main service because the main service happens in the kids' center. But in big church, what you know, there are so many different roles, aren't there, that you can get involved in, um, from car parking to welcome to serving the refreshments to hosting. Um, and so we came up with this idea that we can replicate that. We want to make our kids ready for big church. So, um, so we introduced this. Um, so I'm just going to hold it up. So this is a whiteboard. It's in every room. And as the kids come in, we did a teaching series on this before. We didn't just drop it on them. So we did a teaching um, series on serving. And then we introduced this. So we put this in the room. And as a child arrives on a morning, if they want to be on team, they can choose to be either on connect, host, or refreshments, which is what we call it in big church. And so they get to put their name on there, and then we give them a lanyard. So we're... we're setting them apart we're saying you know you've now got a role which means that you need to take this seriously um, and by giving them a lanyard other people know and so it means that with the connect team they're there just to say hello to the new people to make sure that someone who's looking a little bit lonely has got someone to play with um, and just to come alongside them and ask their name. Um, and it's just been amazing to see these kids really take ownership of these roles and they love it. Um, and so that's just one practical thing that we do. Um, we did a teaching series on how to pray for someone and then put it into practice. Um, and so we, we really looked out on that after the first teaching series to, to see who had really grasped it. And then we got them to lead a ministry time. And it was just absolutely incredible watching these kids. Um, you know, we took them through the different steps as we've probably done, you know, keeping your eyes open, asking if you can lay your hands on them, make sure that, you know, you're with the same sex, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but just watching them, how they pray for each other. And like Dave said, how they've got no inhibitions about praying out loud. It's just wonderful. Um, and then a couple of months ago, a parent had told me that their son had been um, sitting out of the session on a Sunday morning and had instead been in the cafe doing a Bible study. And um, I obviously had to investigate that, a, a child that's not going into Trent Kids but is doing his own Bible study. So I went and had a chat with him in the cafe. And he just, it was amazing. I was totally blown away. He just shared his heart about, actually, I really love the Bible and I don't feel like we do that enough in Trent Kids. A, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but B, like, that's amazing. You've got a heart for the Bible. Would you like to teach a session? And he's like can I do that? I was like, absolutely. So I spoke to his leaders and I was like, let's just give him um, 
an opportunity to lead. Like he, he knows his Bible inside out. Let's like let him share the passion of Bible reading. Um, and so, and he did. And the kids responded so much better to having a peer talk to them about how passionate he is about the Bible. Um, so much better than if one of the grown-ups had stood up and said, you know, you need to read your Bible. He was living it out. Um, another child who wasn't engaging so well in our big session, um, we we sat down and chatted to her and we're like, what's going on? She's like, I just... I just want a job. I want to do something. Um, this is my daughter. <laughs> I was like, I wonder where you get that from. Um, and I was like, right, okay, what can we do to help you engage in this a bit better? And so we put her on the media team. And um, so she sat at the back and she put the words up to the songs and put the videos on when they were... And she came alive, and it was amazing how she could tell us so much more about what she'd learned through the big session by being engaged in a task while she was listening. And now she's leading that. She's only nine. She's leading the team. She's teaching other people how to use the computer, and she just loves it. Um, and then our noughts to five. So we've got um, a noughts to five worship team that goes to each of the rooms during the morning and leads worship for them. And so we use some of our old older kids in the noughts to five, so our four-year-olds and our five, like three fours, and um, and we choose a few of those every Sunday morning to go around and lead worship, and we give them an instrument, and we get them to be at the front doing the actions and singing and worshipping and leading the younger kids in that, and they are amazing. I watch them and I weep because they've got, they've just come alive. They're amazing little worshippers, and God wants to see that. And the little kids want to see other children. They're modelling what it is to worship, so it's so encouraging. Um, you know, so often kids set us an example and put us to shame, don't they? When we baptised a child um, a couple of years ago now, and um, he went out and he invited his whole class to his baptism. <laughs> and all of them came. <laughs> and it's just like, he had no shame. He was so proud and so excited about this opportunity in his life where he was going to get baptised. And he wanted to share it with his friends. And so his whole class was invited, along with his teacher. Um, and I just think it's such an example to us, isn't it? Um, and... And he's a leader. He's brilliant. Um, so we need to teach them to pray for each other and then step back and watch them do it um, and talk to them about how you've stepped out in your faith and share stories both of when you've succeeded and when you failed because they need to know that we're not perfect and they're not always going to get it right, but that's absolutely fine. And invite them to tell stories and celebrate with them publicly celebrate them say you know call them out say you know did you see did you hear what joe did this week and um because we all need affirmation don't we like it's yeah. fine to say that it, you know you can do everything in private but actually showing other people this is what's going on is so important yeah oh, so you could we're very different but we are on the same we get to the same page and just, you know, when, whenever we spoke a few months ago, it's like what happens, what's happening here is the same as what's happening with us. You just come about it in a structured, nice way. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really have that sort of thought pattern in my head. Guys, uh, we, we are nearly done. Here, here's what, I'd, instead of asking questions, could, could we invite you back to the forum net tomorrow? Mm. You were, and we'll, we'd love to chat through and we'll just, you know, we'll be family. But I'd love to just, as the adults would say, impart. I'd love to bless you. I'd love to encourage you. I, I'd, I'd love to just 
let the Holy Spirit inspire. Could we, could we stand? Or I'll tell you, tell you what, actually, if you're able and you've got room, why don't we just get in a position of consecration? Like, you know, sit, if, stay seated, or if you've got room to kneel, I'm going to kneel. Or stand. Do you know what? Just do, do something that you're like, Lord, um, oh, I just want to come before you. I know that... Uh, Ah, oh, Lord. Lord, you come and fill us as family, as children of God. Holy Spirit, we're here and we consecrate ourselves before you, before Jesus again. And we want to give it all to you, Lord. All the, the, the children, the young people that, that are in our care, whether it's on a Sunday or whenever it is, Lord, we, we want to give them back to you. And Holy Spirit, we, we ask now that you'd come and inspire us. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us in the role that you've given us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be concerned about what we can't do, but we would look to what you've put in our hands. And Lord, would you, would you encourage us not to just teach, not to just be entertainers, but, Lord, to be ones that equip and raise up, ones that pour our very lives into these young people so that we can see them succeed, so that we can see them bring life to the communities around them, so that we can see them shine like beacons of hope to kids who have no hope, to families who have no hope. Holy Spirit, I, I, I pray that, that from this time on, we would begin to see and hear stories of what you're doing in the lives of children and young people. Lord, I pray that you would continue to stir our hearts to reflect the love of Jesus even better than we've done before, Lord. To be fools for Christ. To do whatever it takes to reach and raise up this generation for the sake of your kingdom. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what you need to do in our hearts. Help us to lead with vulnerability. Help us to, to show kids some of our weaknesses, some of our frailties, some of our failures. I have a sense, just as, as we listen to, to Carol Wimber, and I, and I felt this last week that, that the Lord is, is almost waiting. And, and as, as leaders, we just know, we, I know the Lord works through leaders. It's the way he set the kingdom stuff up. And, and I feel like he's waiting and saying, I'm waiting for your hearts to be fully turned towards me so that then I can do what I long to do in the lives of those you lead. So, Lord, would you help us to turn our hearts fully towards you, to lay aside our fears, to lay aside our incorrect thinking, to lay aside our lack of confidence in you, our lack of faith, to lay aside a lack of confidence in ourselves, Lord, to lay aside that, <laughs> that feeling of we just can't do this because I'm so weak, Lord, to lay that all aside. 
and to say, here we are, use us. Use what we have, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. And Lord, I, I pray that prayer of blessing upon my family here. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one of them. Lord, I pray that you would protect their hearts and their minds. Lord, I pray that each one would know your delight in them, that they would know your face smiles upon them. Lord, I pray that they would know your grace drips like honey over their lives every single moment of every single day. Lord, I pray that they would know and see your favor, that they would know your kindness and your generosity every day every day in small things and in big things. And Lord, I pray that we would not be known as a people who are stressed out and burnt out, but we would be people who have your peace, peace in our heads and peace in our hearts that do everything we do as a response of your love for, for us. And I pray this in the precious, precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.